0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Very cool. We have an informational meeting after the 11 o'clock service for spring break trips, for mission trips, if you're interested in any of our beginning of the year 2017 all the way through spring break mission trips fellowship hall immediately following this service be a part of that and our deacon stuff deacon nomination you're going to hear a lot more about this for me this is just the beginning stages of this but uh, this is the last day you can nominate deacons if you have not picked up a yellow sheet of paper pick one of those up you can uh, give that to one of our ushers at the end of the service this is the last sunday we'll do that okay all right let me pray for us and we're going to begin this morning Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the calling you've placed on our lives. Lord, I pray right now just for the heart of the people of this church. As we examine uh, your truth and your text, I pray you just speak very clearly to us. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Let us hear from you. I pray that we would know your will, do your will. Lord, I pray through the power of the Spirit working in our hearts and our lives, we could be transformed more into the image of of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. This is the fourth week of our sermon series that we've entitled, Sent. And I want to begin again this sermon with the phrase that I've been using every other week and I'm going to continue to do it. It's foundational for this series and and really... Foundational for who we are as a Christian. Here's the statement. We serve a sending God. We serve a sending God. We don't serve a God that's disconnected, that's uncaring, that kind of lives up in heaven on his throne and, and doesn't monitor or even think about the people of this earth. We serve a God that really from the beginning has sent his people to accomplish His will. And so this series is all about opening your eyes and hopefully opening your heart to the truth of being sent, to understanding that God has sent from the beginning and to kind of answer a simple question, what is God sending me to do? We've kind of seen in our study up to this point through the Old Testament that God from the beginning had this plan and so a couple of weeks ago we studied Isaiah and we saw that Isaiah was sent. Last week, we studied Ezekiel. We saw that Ezekiel was sent. And we've kind of seen the the same theme so far in our study. We saw it with Jesus. We saw it with Isaiah. We saw it with Ezekiel. We're going to see it again today. We've seen kind of this trend that we've been building on. The trend is very simply this, that we are empowered by the Spirit to accomplish the things of the Lord. It's the Spirit that gives us the power to be sent and to accomplish the things the Lord has sent us to accomplish. And so we've come up with this acronym SENT, S-E-N-T, I think we have it on the screen. S stands for Spirit Empowered. Now we're going to do another S this week, and then I'm going to give you E next week. And I know you guys just absolutely cannot wait to hear what E is. I know you've been, people have been emailing me, lined up outside the church with signs, give us E, give, not really. But I'm going to give it to you next week, whether you like it or not. This week we're still on S. S is Spirit-empowered. Simply, I want you to see this. If you are sent by the Lord, the Spirit is going to empower you and give you the ability to accomplish what He calls you to accomplish. You don't have to do it in your own power. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You accomplish it very simply by relying on the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to empower you and lead you and send you to accomplish great things. Now we've been in the Old Testament this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13, but before we jump into the text, I want to give you just a little bit of a background of the book of Acts because Acts is kind of a fascinating book. Many of you if you've grown up in the church or are familiar with the book of Acts, you've probably heard it said that this is the Acts of the Apostles. That's kind of where the name comes from. I would agree with that. This is certainly the Acts of the Apostles. But I would say, kind of a step beyond that, this is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you study through the book of Acts and spend any real time reading it, you see it's the Holy Spirit that really drives the growth of the church in the first century. So all through the book of Acts, we see this common theme. Again, spirit empowered. It's the spirit that's going to lead and direct and strengthen and empower these early believers, this first century church, to accomplish these great things. And so I want to just give you a couple of quick verses to kind of make that case, and then we're going to spend some time in Acts 13 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip back to Acts chapter 1. If not, I'm just going to read it to you. But right in the very beginning, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, many of you will be familiar with this passage of Scripture. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's giving his disciples kind of this, this final uh, talk and some final instructions. And he makes this kind of fascinating statement in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Here's what Christ says, speaking to his followers. Now at this moment you need to understand the followers are a small group, maybe 120 or so, that are afraid, they're in hiding, they're not quite sure what the next step is going to be. And so the Lord, just before he ascends into heaven, says this in Acts one 8, You will receive power right there's this new power you're going to receive this new ability you're going to receive when when the holy spirit comes upon you so just to be clear disciples followers of christ jesus says you are going to receive power you're going to be empowered when the spirit falls upon you and then what's that going to lead to Well, here's the second part of the verse you will be my witnesses in jerusalem And Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Christ says, Listen, you're going to receive the Spirit. The Spirit is going to empower you. The Spirit's going to empower you to be a witness. So, as as we kind of process through this idea of being sent, we process through this idea of being sent by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, we need to begin to see this, and we're going to see it in a few minutes in this text. We need to begin to understand that we have been sent with a specific purpose in mind. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you the Spirit and empower you, and then you just kind of hang out and have fun and enjoy yourselves, and we'll see what happens. Christ says, I'm going to empower you with the Spirit, and then guess what? You're going to go all over the world, and you're going to be my witnesses. So fast forward to Acts chapter 2. The story of Pentecost. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Christ has given this this explanation of the Spirit. He's explained the power of the Spirit. He's explained their mission. He's ascended into heaven. Now they're kind of afraid. They're waiting. They're not sure what's going to happen next. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all the believers in the world could gather together in one small little place. Not many, I'm at this point. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right? So we see in Acts chapter 2, the promised Spirit falls upon the believers they begin at this moment to speak in tongues and from this point forward this is awfully important we go from this kind of small little group of of, of fledgling believers that are afraid to a worldwide phenomenon you understand that 120 people, scared to death, huddled in a house, not sure what to do, looking at each other in fear, waiting on the promised spirit, to Pentecost, the spirit falls upon these people, they literally go set the world on fire, and it hasn't stopped since. You say, how is that possible? It's possible because they were empowered by the spirit. So at this moment in the book of Acts, everything changes. And so the church begins to grow. A kind of persecution breaks out against these people because they're doing amazing things. The cause of the persecution, they scatter away from Jerusalem. Into Judea and Samaria, which is the fulfillment of Acts 1 8. And then, beginning now in Acts chapter 13, we're going to take kind of another step and another level beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria. And we're going to begin to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, Acts chapter 13 is going to be the beginning of being empowered by the Spirit to go literally to the far reaches of the earth. So, Acts chapter 13. Verses 1, 2, and 3, this is the focus of what we're going to be looking at this morning. So in the church at Antioch, Antioch is just one of the locations when the people left Jerusalem and Judea, and they spread, they went and started churches in various places. One of the churches they started was in Antioch. So in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now Saul's going to become Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, listen, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and here's the word again, sent them off. Now you say, you know, I'd like to be sent by the Spirit. I'd like to understand the Lord's calling in my life and I'd like to do great things for him and I'd like to be empowered by the spirit to accomplish some great things in this world for him before my time is up and so you say what should I be doing if I want to be led by the spirit well I want to give you three things this morning from our text that'll help you understand how to be led by and empowered by and eventually sent by the spirit here's truth number one to be sent Our focus must first be on the Lord. If you want to be used by God, if you want to accomplish great things for Him, if you want to be sent out into the world, empowered by the Spirit, it begins with a focus on the things of the Lord. Now bring verse 2 back up for me if you would, Acts chapter 13. I want you to notice what these believers are doing. Very interesting what the scripture says is while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now I want you to notice these people in Antioch, their first priority was a focus on the things of the Lord. Like they came together together. They worshipped together, they fasted, they trusted, they were listening for the call of the Lord. They kind of had this laser focus in the first century of trusting the Lord, seeking His will, desiring to follow Him. They had kind of a church culture, we could say maybe in modern terms, that was right for the Lord to work. They really had willing hearts. So kind of having that idea and that model in mind, I want to ask a question. This is a church in Antioch that's going to be greatly used by the Lord. Why? Because they focused on the things of Christ. Here's the question. Is it possible that God is not doing things in and through your life because you have not focused on him? Is that possible? I would say not only is that possible, I think it would be probable, and maybe here's a follow-up question. Is it possible that our focus is on other things? Had a conversation this morning before the 830 service about the busyness of life. I've said this before, and I probably keep saying it. I don't ever ask anybody anymore how they're doing without probably hearing at some point in the first minute or so, I'm just really busy. That's what everybody said. Me too. How you doing? We're just so busy. Busy at home, busy at work. And there's nothing wrong with being busy. I'm not preaching against busyness. But the problem is, sometimes that busyness takes priority over the things of Christ, doesn't it? If you were honest. Now, if I were honest, I would say to you, sometimes I get busy and those things take priority over Christ in my life. And so what we see in the first century is this church that's going to be used of the Lord to accomplish great things. It happens not because they're so busy with life and they give the last couple of moments of the day to Christ. It begins because they start with this priority of worshiping and fasting, and focusing, and trusting, and placing Christ first in all things. When we begin to do that, we begin to open up our hearts to the truth of God's Word. He begins to focus our hearts even more on what He wants to accomplish in our lives. Then we begin to feel and sense the power of the Spirit sending us to do great things. But it's not going to happen if you don't trust the Lord and place a focus on Him in all things. I love speaking to believers from other countries. It's just so interesting to me because cultures are so different and opinions are so different and people live their lives in such a different way. But it's interesting to me, one of the things I notice when I speak to believers in other parts of the world, especially places that are maybe a little more impoverished than we are and don't have the things that we have, it's it's interesting to me when I speak to believers in other parts of the world because they don't need all the things we think we need in order to worship. Let me explain what I mean by that. We think that we need comfortable seats, that we need air conditioning, that we need nice equipment, that we need nice buildings. And now before I go any farther, I'm not preaching against air conditioning or nice buildings or nice pews. I like all those things, I promise. I'm happy to have those things. But I think it's just interesting to me if, if we're not careful, those things become very important for us. And you say, ah, It's not that big of a deal. What if the air conditioning went out right now? It'd be a big deal, wouldn't it? You'd have a hard time listening to me. You'd be so busy fanning. <laughs> I'd have a hard time preaching. I'd be so busy sweating. If the lights went out, if the power went out and I had no microphone, no, we have a hard time all of a sudden. If you came in here next week and we'd removed all the pews, that'd be funny. I'm not going to do that. But if you came in here next week and we'd removed all the pews, imagine how hard it would be for you to worship. Again, there's nothing wrong with pews. But I'm just saying it's, it's okay for us to admit that maybe we put some things kind of out of priority and out of whack with the things of the Lord. Because the vast majority of believers around the world worship without seats and without lights and without air conditioning and without buildings. Again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But our focus in worship should be Christ. You understand that? I'm I'm gonna step on some of your toes. It shouldn't be your phone. By the way, I can see the glow, so you're not hiding it from anybody. He doesn't know I'm on my phone. Your face is glowing right now, so I know you're on the phone. Oh, damn it. Oh, I got I to dim the screen. Dim, 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 right? Our focus shouldn't be on our phones. Our, our focus shouldn't be on our neighbors. Focus shouldn't be on what we're going to go do at lunch or all the other fun things or all the other things. Our focus at this moment should be the word of God and Christ that creates within our hearts this culture of sinning. You understand? it Because I want you to notice what happens in verse 2. Pull 2 up again if you would, please. I, this is fascinating to me. While they were worshiping, you see that? Not later in the day or the next morning at work. So there's this, this, while we're in the presence of the Lord and trusting Him and seeking Him, the Spirit in those moments speak. So I think it's fair to say, biblically, you should expect during times of worship and growth to hear from the Lord. We see it right here in Scripture. But there are kind of two components, and these are are very important. There's this corporate focus, and then there's this individual focus focus. There's this focus on corporate worship, right? When the body of believers are together, that's what we're doing right now. We're singing and we're praising. We take an hour out of our week to do this. We sense the power of the Lord working in our hearts. We study the word together. This is corporate worship. And then there's this private kind of component, the idea of fasting. While they were worshiping and fasting. So there's kind of, kind of two avenues here, right? There should be growth corporately. As a body of believers, as the church comes together, in those moments we should expect to hear from the Lord because that's when the Spirit spoke. And then in the moments of personal fasting and, and personal growth, in those moments we should expect to hear from the Lord. But if we come into worship or we come into study or prayer or whatever with other things on our hearts, if we don't spend time doing those things, if we don't have this focus... On the Lord and on his will, we should not expect to be used by the Lord. Okay? We should begin the process. Bring point number one back up, please. We should begin the process with a focus on the Lord. When we do that, he begins to use us. Now look at verse 2 again. Let's continue. So while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, right? He speaks to them in those moments set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Here's truth number two. Not only should there be a focus on the things of the Lord, but number two, in order to be sent, we must be set apart by the Holy Spirit. In order to be sent, we must be set apart by the Holy Spirit. Romans 1.1, this is Paul speaking. He uses the same phrase there, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and here's what he says, set apart for the gospel. Here's what this means. If you're going to trust the Lord and focus on him and grow in your walk and spend time in corporate worship, spend time in individual growth, and allow the Lord to begin to kind of work in your heart and begin to send you, if you're going to do those things, guess what? All of a sudden, you're going to be set apart and different from other people. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're a follower of Christ, you should look differently than other people? I mean, if you lined all of us up with another, say, five or six hundred unbelievers and watched our lifestyles for a couple weeks, could we tell the difference? How set apart are you? How different are you in your walk? How does your life very simply reflect? The glory of the Lord. When the world looks at you, do they see a difference? Do they see that you have been set apart? Now some of you are saying, okay, so i got to trust the Lord more, grow in my walk as I do that. The Lord is going to speak to me. He's going to use me. He's going to set me apart. But how do I know the Spirit is speaking? This is the question people want to ask. How do I know the Spirit has called me? How do I know the Spirit's setting me apart? What does the Spirit do? Does He, does he knock on my door? Does He send me a, a text message or call me on the phone? Or, or how do I know the Spirit is speaking? Well, I want to give you just some very quickly, some biblical truth that will help you understand the Spirit and how the Spirit works. And as you begin to understand, again, that calling, deepening your walk, listening for the voice of the Lord and the Spirit using you and guiding you, these truths, I believe, will help you. So I'm going to give you just a few bullet points and some scripture you can look up later. We're just going to talk through this together. Here's one of the ways, one of the truths we need to understand about the Holy Spirit first. The Holy Spirit, this is important, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Now that may be news to some of you. I don't have time this morning to go and kind of hold the theology to make you understand this. But the simple picture is, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to individual people for specific tasks. Holy Spirit was given to Isaiah, we saw that. Holy Spirit was given to Ezekiel, we saw that. Other Many other examples, the Holy Spirit was given to individual people for specific tasks. After Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls upon all believers, and from that point forward, every believer is empowered with the Spirit. Now here's what that means for you, this is important, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. That means the same Spirit that empowered Elijah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Moses and the same spirit that empowered Paul and Christ and that same spirit lives within you. So you kind of have this built-in power source to accomplish great things from the Lord. You don't need anything else. If you're a follower of Christ, you already have everything you need in the power of the Lord... To accomplish everything he wants to do through you. Here's the second thing you need to understand about the spirit. The spirit will convict us. The spirit convicts us. I want you to listen to John chapter 16 verse 8. When he comes, speaking of the spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's what the Holy Spirit does is you're trying to seek the Lord and trust the Lord and you find your place in, you find this place in life where you're kind of kind of getting off the road a little bit and you're moving away from the will of God and you're beginning getting into sin and get yourself into things you don't need to get yourself into. The Spirit in those moments will convict you. The Spirit will remind you of the sin that you've walked down, the sin that you've been involved in, remind you of the will of the Lord. And in the beginning, at least, I think can kind of gently nudge you back. That's what the Spirit does. It kind of keeps us in line with the will of the Lord. It convicts us to make sure we're doing what the Lord's called us to do. So if you're kind of living your life and you fall under conviction, that's a clear reminder from the Spirit you need to kind of get back in line with the will of the Lord. So the Spirit lives within us. The Spirit convicts us. Thirdly, the Spirit will teach us. John chapter 14, verse 26. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit is going to teach you and guide you in your life. So as we're trusting, as we're growing, as we understand the power of the Spirit, the Spirit convicts us and leads us back, the Spirit in those moments through the Word of God is going to teach us things as well. Help us understand how to walk with the Lord. Help us understand how to live out our faith. Help us understand how we are sent and what we should accomplish. And then finally, the Spirit will testify with our spirit. The Spirit will testify with our spirit. The Spirit himself testifies that our spirit That we are God's children. So we see kind of this combination. It's not just one thing or the other. It's a combination of being convicted and guided and learning from and the Spirit testifying with our spirit. And through this process, as we deepen our walk, the Spirit will lead us and guide us. I'll never forget when I was called into ministry. I I was happy teaching school. And and many of you have heard this story and and kind of loving what was happening in my life with school and, and the direction things were going. And just Out of the blue, the Lord called me. And people have asked me before, how do you know the Lord called you? It's the same kind of question if you ask a man, how did you know the Lord called you? Or how did you know this woman was the woman you were supposed to marry? You, You can't really put it in words very simply, can you? You just know that you know that you know. And the more we trust the Spirit and listen for the voice of the Lord and study His Word and allow the Spirit to teach us and convict us and guide us and testify with our spirit, we just begin to sense His presence more. We begin to sense His power more. We begin to sense Him calling us to accomplish things that we probably never thought we could accomplish. So again, back to the question as the Spirit leads us and guides us and sends us, what is the Spirit, what is God now sending you to do? What if you walked into work tomorrow morning and you kind of had this on your heart? You got all the work, and I'm not saying don't do your work, but imagine if all that was somewhere below this question. Lord, what do you want to accomplish through me today at work? What what are you sending me into this place of work to do? Imagine how your perspective would be different. Holy Spirit, just guide me today. Put a person or a place or something on my mind. Just kind of lead me. I'm trusting you. I want you to use me. Just give me direction. Maybe it's to witness to somebody. Maybe it's to love somebody in the name of Christ. Maybe it's to share your testimony. Maybe it's that person that's been struggling a couple of offices down with something in life. Just the opportunity to walk by and say, hey, can I pray for you about this? I know you're struggling. I'm not trying to force you to believe anything. I just would love to pray for you and kind of tell you what the Lord's done in my life. What's the Lord sent you to do? See, because What's going to happen is the Spirit is going to empower you. The Spirit is going to guide you. The Spirit is going to lead you. The Spirit is going to testify to you. And you're going to come to this moment in your life. If this begins to be part of your process and thoughts and prayers and you're walking in this direction, this is going to begin to get you to this point in life where you're going to have this moment. I promise you're going to have it. If you're trusting the Lord, focusing, wanting to be sent, trusting the Spirit, you're going to come to this point in your life at some point where you sense the presence of the Lord, you sense the leading of the Spirit, you sense that he sent you or called you to do something very clearly. What do you do? Well, look at verse 3. I want you to notice this is interesting what happens with Paul. Here's the final point. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And then the two of them, sent on their way by the Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Here's truth number three. To be sent, we must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. None of this matters if we're not obedient. It's not enough just to seek the Lord, it's not enough just to sense the calling of the Lord. It's not enough just to talk about the work of the Lord. It's not even enough to know what the Lord's called you to do if you don't actually do it. There's this moment where all this kind of comes together and you're standing in this place in your journey and your faith in life and you've got to decide, am I going to be obedient or not? Far too many people choose to do what they want to do Instead of trusting the Lord to do great things through them. See, I would say to you that the Lord's got this incredible plan for your life. But kind of wrapped up in this whole idea of sending is obedience. It's not enough just to understand It's not enough just to know the answer. Look at what Paul does. As soon as he's called, as soon as he's sent, they go down to Seleucia. They sail from there to Cyprus. They didn't say, I'm not sure, Lord. I'm afraid, Lord. I've got other responsibilities, Lord. What about my job, Lord? What about, what about, what if, whatever? They just say, Lord, you've called me to do this. I'm going to do it. Because of Paul's obedience... He leads, scripturally, the very first ever missionary journey around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preaches to lost people all over the known world. And he writes the majority of the New Testament. Why? Because the Lord called him out, set him apart, sent him to go, and he was obedient. We serve a sending God. What is he sending you to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's truth. It's clear. It's understandable, Lord. There's just there are patterns that we see the more we study and understand. And Father, this idea of being sent now just becomes clearer and clearer in our hearts and our minds. You have sent us out to accomplish great things. Father, I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts. Lord, help us to to trust you more, to deepen our walk, to deepen our faith, to deepen our, our, our trust and our desire to serve you. Father, I pray that as we do that, as we hear from you more and more and trust you more, you would set us apart to be different, to live our lives in a different way. And then, Father, when we come to that moment, maybe tomorrow at work, Lord, maybe tomorrow afternoon or maybe this evening or or maybe right now, as we come to that moment, Lord, we know you've sent us. We know you've called us to accomplish something specifically. Give us in those moments the strength and the ability through faith in you to obey. And then when we do that, Father, you do great things May you receive honor and glory for everything we say and do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to open up the altar as we always do. This is a moment for you to respond. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you or saying to your heart or leading you to do, this is your moment to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.